you, all of our guests that are with us today, amen, and everyone that's watching us online, thank you so much, thank you for checking us out online, and uh, we are really looking forward to seeing you in person. Uh, so many people today with technology, uh, how many of you have ever watched a service or part of a service online? Some look at you, most of you already have. How many of you checked out the crossroads before you came here online? How many of you did that? Look at that. Most of your hands are going up. And the reason is because that's how people do today. They usually uh, will check out a place where they are going to go before they get there. So we know you're on your way. Just come on in. Amen. It's going to be awesome having you here in person. I, I have found that when life brings us devastation, it's not easy to have hope. It's hard for us to have faith. And when things are the most difficult, that's when we need faith and hope the most. When you feel like you have the, the, the moments in life where life is just crushing you. Amen. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us how to, how to handle it, how to infuse faith. It reminds us now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And when you take that into consideration with the book of Ruth, it, it's a powerful uh, a reminder that it, it, it doesn't have to always make sense. We can see that uh, even when we can't see beyond our pain, His plan is perfect. Amen. His plan is perfect. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to hearts and lives today through your word and that your word would go forth and do the work that you've set it out to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. All right, so I know we are in week two of our series. How many of you, if you were here or even if you weren't here, you were able to catch week one of the series? All right. For those of you, you have some catching up to do. The best is yet to come. That is our series. And uh, last week, we, uh, we talked just very specifically about some things that, uh, you know, we were reminded that with Jesus, the best is always yet to come. He always saves the best for last. And even if things have been bad in the past or you're going through something right now, amen, you need to know uh, that the best is yet to come. Amen. We got to have hope. Amen. We've got to understand the best is still yet to come. So the message for today and our focus for today is unlikely. Amen. And not, not that we're not going to get focused. It, it's really titled unlikely. And so uh, this is the story of Ruth. And there was once a woman named Naomi who lived in a land called Moab. She had a husband named Elimelech and two sons named Malon and Kilion. Both of her sons were married. Kilion had a wife named Orpah. Malhan had a, a, a wife named Ruth. And sadly, there came a time when Naomi's husband died. Soon after, both of her sons died too. She and her daughter-in-laws were devastated. Naomi and Orpah and Ruth cried and cried because the ones they loved were gone. Naomi quickly decided that she would return to her original home, a city called Bethlehem. There, Naomi hoped to re reunite with her family and begin a new life. It would be a long, treacherous journey to Bethlehem, but she decided to take it. And so Naomi told Orpah and Ruth 
of her plans and began to pack her things. Orpah and Ruth were both heartbroken. Their world was falling apart. They had just lost their husbands, but they decided to go with Naomi back to Bethlehem. But Naomi refused and She said, I have nothing to offer you girls for your future, so you need to stay here. And after many tears and after many loving embraces, Orpah decided to return to her parents' home. Ruth, however, did not go. She wanted to follow Naomi. And Naomi tried to convince Ruth to stay in Moab, but Ruth would not budge. Ruth declared her love for Naomi by vowing to remain with her mother-in-law through thick and thin. She wanted to stay close to the woman who had shown her such great love and kindness. Ruth had been raised worshiping idols. The Moabites were known to offer human sacrifices to their pagan gods. And unlike Ruth, Naomi and her sons were Hebrews who worshiped the one true God. Ruth had always known that there was something special about Naomi, but it was different. There was something different, something special, and she wanted to learn from Naomi, and she wanted to adopt Naomi's ways because she saw something different in her. The gods Ruth's family knew did not give her hope. But for some reason, the God of Naomi did. If she would follow Naomi back to Bethlehem, she knew life would be very challenging. She understood it was not going to be what she was used to. She would be a strange foreigner among the Hebrew people. She would be an immigrant. She would never see her family again. But Ruth was determined. She would be faithful to the woman who had taught her so much. Ruth made this brave decision and stood strong despite her fears. And Naomi And Ruth had a hard, challenging trip back to Bethlehem. The land was rocky and steep for many, many miles. They spent several nights sleeping in the brush near the road, and Naomi was older and weak and needed to stop often. It was not an easy trip, but Ruth remained hopeful. Once there, Ruth went to work. She went to work to provide for herself and Naomi. For food, Ruth was able to gather the leftover crops from the fields. In a certain field one day, the owner noticed Ruth picking up crops at the edge, and he asked one of his workers who she was. The owner's name was Boaz, and unbeknownst to Ruth, he had happened to be a distant relative of Naomi's. And Boaz had compassion on Ruth and her dire situation. He spoke kindly to her, allowing her plenty of food and drink. When Ruth returned home with so much food, Naomi was shocked. Ruth explained the kindness of a man named Boaz. Naomi was thrilled to explain that he was one of her husband's relatives. And in that time, male relatives of a man who died were expected to marry the widow. Knowing this, Naomi instructed Ruth in the ways of courtship and in order to present herself to Boaz as available for marriage. Boaz decided to make Ruth his wife. He even went to extra lengths to make everything right. He made sure that no other man in the family could claim Ruth first. Ruth later became the mother of a boy named Obed, who was the grandfather of King David. This is special because it means that Ruth was in the same family as Jesus. God made her name famous because Ruth's persistence in her pursuit of the Lord and her decision to stay close to those she knew had a relationship with God like Naomi and so she was incredibly blessed 
In the New American Standard Bible, Ruth chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Then she said, this was her statement of declaration, this was her decision, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you for where you go I will go and where you lodge I will lodge your people shall be my people and your God my God where you die I will die and there I will be buried thus may the Lord do to me and worse if anything but death parts you and me just think Ruth didn't even know God before Naomi How unlikely was she to find herself in the lineage of Jesus Christ because she had a desire to have a relationship with the God of Naomi. And so her dedication and her faithfulness to those she loved and to everything that she did because of this God blessed her tremendously. Ruth's story is ordinary at best. But truly more unlikely than even ordinary. Perhaps that's what makes it so compelling to us. That's why it inspires so many of us. She doesn't come from a famous family. She doesn't have great riches or great position. Ruth is just a widow from an enemy nation at that. She is unlikely to see the miracles of God in her life. Nothing is going in her favor. Matter of fact, up until this point, it's been pretty bad. And it seems like it's gotten worse with the death of her husband. And now her mother-in-law is getting ready to leave. But she decides to be brave and her faith doesn't waver. And so the life of this, this immigrant widow who has nothing becomes so important that it's included in the Bible. And she's given a whole book. Her name is recognized in the lineage of Jesus. How unlikely that was. And as you read through the book of Ruth, you will not find any places Hear me today, you will not find any places, not one place, and this is where some of us struggle, you won't find one place where God's voice thunders down to her. You might in some other Bible stories, but you won't in Ruth's story. There's no earth-shattering miracles like the Red Sea parting that happened in her life or in the life of her and Naomi. But what you do see is you see an ordinary and challenging life that is shaped and guided by God, the God that she believes in and the God that she has seen in Naomi. And today we can look back and we can see the the incredible way that her unlikely life was used by God. God uses unlikely people. Look at your neighbor and say, yeah, you, that's unlikely. Sometimes we we feel so inadequate, right? The task is seems so much greater than us. And we can focus so easily on our past and on our mistakes and why we struggle so much. We, we focus on all these things and we ourselves have convinced ourselves it's unlikely. Unlikely that God would want to use me. Unlikely that God would choose me for anything special. But I came to tell somebody in this place today the best is yet to come. 
The best is yet to come. Amen. Ruth was a poor, hurting, outcast widow. She grew up in an evil country, an enemy of Israel. She was childless. She moved to a foreign land where no one did she know but her mother-in-law. And they struggled with poverty. They had to go gather behind the harvesters. How humiliating. They had to go gather behind the harvesters in the field. They were practically beggars. They were people that you would see on the side of the road in our day and age with a cardboard sign to get just a little bit of barley so that they could survive. They did whatever they had to do. And anybody who would have looked at this foreign widow would have never guessed she would be the one chosen to be in the lineage of the promised Redeemer. Through Ruth's story, we learn that God uses the most unlikely people for His purpose. Just look at some other people in the Bible. Look at the five women that are mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary. Let me, let me just tell you a little bit. I'm, I'm not going to go into this real deep, but Tamar resorted to trickery to bear a son. Rahab was a prostitute whose faith saved her from the crashing walls of Jericho. Ruth was the Moabite widow. Bathsheba is referred to as Uriah's wife in the genealogy of Jesus. Only became David's wife after David took her for himself and killed her husband. Mary was a young virgin who was already engaged to Joseph when she became pregnant with Jesus and showed courage in her willingness to bear the scorn and the shame that came with pregnancy that occurred before marriage. All five of the women that you read in the genealogy of Jesus. Unlikely. Unlikely. It seems like he specializes in the unlikely. It seems like he chooses those who are unlikely and Ruth reminds us that no matter what lies in our past and no matter how difficult our circumstances may be right now a little bit of faith makes a huge difference come on somebody I said a little bit of faith makes the huge difference in our life and even in our obscurity and in the mess of what may be our lives. God finds a way to use the most likely, unlikely, the likely unlikelies. Are you likely or unlikely? I'm unlikely. So, likely, I am unlikely. For whatever it is you think God has planned, most of us would qualify as unlikely. You don't, you, you don't know my past. Oh, I know, I know. Mine's pretty bad too. And, and you don't know what I've said or what I've done. You don't know the thoughts that I've had. And Yes, I understand that we are unlikely. Because with Jesus, it doesn't matter what your past is. With, with Jesus, the best is always yet to come. With Jesus, you can have hope that even though it's unlikely, it becomes likely. Come on, somebody. Your past is not your final destination. If you'll have a little faith, if you'll just learn to trust God, if you can place your life in His hands, what was unlikely will become likely. At the very beginning of the book of Ruth, we find them living in, in Moab, her home nation. Moab was a place that most Israelites didn't like. 
It's an enemy nation. Israelites tended to look down on the Moabites. And on top of that, she was a widow. She was childless, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Let me just say that again. She lived... (laughs) Okay, you got it. She lived with her mother-in-law. She had... She had an incredible mother-in-law. She was kind of like me. (laughs) Got to get them when you can. That journey for them to Israel must have been very frightening. She she just made the choice, I'm going to stay with Naomi, I'm going to help her. And, and all the while knowing she was going to a country that wouldn't like her very much. And her country of origin already made her an outcast. Being a childless widow uh, gave her plenty of reason in that culture to shrink back into a shell and just live her life in obscurity. But that's not what she did. She declared that she was going to go with Naomi to Bethlehem. She left her country. She left her family behind. She refused to let her past and her past relationships hold her back. She chose to serve the God that she saw in Naomi. And she believed there's still life left for me to live. There's still something beyond. I think the best is yet to come in my life. I think there's more for me. And so no matter what your past is, you still have a purpose. Look at your neighbors say, no matter your past... You still have a purpose. The devil would like to lie to some of you and tell you because of your past, there is no purpose. But I came to tell somebody today, no matter your past, you still have a purpose. Come on, somebody. You are not defined by the drugs that you did. You're not defined by the alcohol that you drank. Come on, somebody. You're not defined by the disease that you had or have. God has something better in store for you, and the best is yet to come. You need to get a little hope infused into your spirit today. No matter how unlikely my life seems, there is hope for me today. Your past is not your final destination. When you make a choice in faith, I will choose to go his direction. You see, Naomi had to go back and she said, there's nothing for me here. I need to to go back. At least in my country, I know there will be people who will help me. There will be people who will, they'll leave a little bit and I'll be able to get some of the scraps from the barley fields. And and there's, they take care of, of people there. I need to go back there. Can I tell you that that was the direction back to where she needed to be? That was her getting closer to God and to the people of God and getting those right relationships restored in her life. And Ruth said, there's something different about you. There's a light in you. There's a hope in you. There's there's faith in you. I know we're all grieving and we've all lost our husbands and you've lost your sons, but still you have the faith in God to go back. You still have hope to go back and and know that God is going to take care of you. And so she said, if you're going to go God's direction, I'm going to go God's direction. If you're going to surrender yourself to this, I'm going to surrender myself to this. Don't ask me to leave you. Don't don't tell me to go back. I want to just ask you today if you have believed the lies of the enemy of your soul. 
Some of you, the reason why you don't make any progress spiritually from year to year is because you keep resigning yourself to the defeats and the hurts and the pains of the past. You keep saying, well, you know, if so, if so-and-so didn't do that, or if such-and-such wasn't like this, then I would be different. And instead of moving toward God, you've let it push you away from God. Instead of saying, you know what, there's no perfect church, no perfect pastor, all perfect people, there's no uh, place that has all perfect people, everybody has flawed people in their church, there's nobody that's going to do everything exactly right, and so instead of moving toward God, you say, I'm just going to stay home, I'm not going to go to church, I'm not going to get involved with the church, I'm not going to serve at church, I might get hurt, there might be some things uh, that, you know, I just don't know if I can handle, if pastor looks at me funny, if he doesn't shake my hand, uh, if, if he... Uh, If he asks me to do something I don't want to do, well, he got quiet. Feel something in the spirit. Y'all feel that? So I'll just back away. I don't need to be that involved. I, don't, I mean, I need to go to church, but I don't need to sell out. I don't have to be all in. I, I don't need to be consumed with this. Like, like pastor and some of those people, they are fanatics. They're crazy. They're there all the time. And he's talking about reading my Bible every day and praying every day. I, that's a lot. And then they want me to be a part of a life group and be in Bible study. And that's just, that's a lot. That's so much commitment. Have you bought into the lies of the enemy of your soul? Saying that there's no way that God would do anything special in your life or with your family or in your ministry. Are you feeling maybe that you are the most unlikely and maybe that's what's caused you because somebody said something that hurt you or somebody did something that hurt you or you failed God or you failed yourself and you're so upset that you pulled yourself out of contention and said it's unlikely anything's going to happen here. Uh, Pastor, I know you really want me to be involved and I... I know that you really, you, you believe, you believe that God has something for me, but it's unlikely. Woo-wee. I'm stepping out into it right now. There are those of you in this house that if you could just get over yourself. If you could, if you could just see what's on the other side of your surrender. If you could see what's on the other side and you would say, oh my goodness, God has so much better for me in store. God has the best yet to come in my life. What am I doing? I can't stay in Moab. I can't remain here anymore. I've got to go towards God. If you feel like you're unlikely today, then you're in good company because, like I said before, the Bible's full of stories of people who seemed highly unlikely. And in spite of what it seemed, God did bless them. Man, you know what? The Bible is full of all kinds of stuff that will shock you if you're not ready for it. Just because somebody said this not too long ago, they said, just because the Bible reports it doesn't mean the Bible approves of it. Because there's rape and molestation and slavery and all kinds of stuff. Polygamy, there's all kinds of stuff. Just because the Bible reports it doesn't mean that it approves it. 
And so some people say, well, the Bible, you know, in the Bible, so-and-so in the Bible. Well, wait a second. Is the Bible approving of it or is it reporting it? That's what you need to ask yourself. Because there are some things that are reported in the Bible that that's not the way God intended us to live. Amen. There, there's some very clear instruction, especially in the New Testament, about how the church is supposed to act and, and react and respond. And, and we have to understand that even though it's unlikely that some of us, amen, would ever be in use for God and we would be in ministry and we would be useful in His kingdom. With Jesus, when we surrender, it's highly likely. It's highly likely that He wants to use you. It's highly likely. In fact, it's certain that He wants to use you. It's certain that He wants to do something in your life. It's certain that He wants your family to be saved. And He wants you to, wants all men to come to repentance. It's certain. The Bible says it. The Bible declares it. Amen. So I want to challenge you today as I close. I want to challenge you. You need to leave the land of death and disappointment. Some of you have lived in that, uh, you know, there, there came a time, we, we had a, a situation, some things go on in this church. Uh, I'm not talking about, you know, embarrassing, uh, moral or anything, none, none of that. But there were just some, just some real hits this, that this church took several years ago. And, and we were reeling for a few years. We were just reeling. And I, I got to the place where I didn't even know if I wanted to still pastor anymore. I remember, I remember what happened. I remember how it came about. And, and I just felt like, oh, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if people want to be led spiritually. I don't know if people want to grow spiritually. And, and I'm just, I, God, why would you do it for me? Why would you do it for Radcliffe? I mean, Radcliffe is like the Bethlehem of, you know, Kentucky. <laughs> It's the most unlikely of places. And, and there came a time where I, I said, God, I'm not sure how you're going to do it. I don't know. I, it just seems so unlikely. But something happened as we began to reach out and as we began, began to look out and, and say, you know what, God, whatever you want, we're going to move in your direction. We're not going to look inward anymore, but we're going to look outward. We're going we're gonna to move in the direction that you would have us to move. And as we did that, amen, God brought about some of the most incredible things to this church. And I would tell you that if you'll make up your mind today, I'm leaving the land of death and disappointment. I'm going to move toward the land of promise. How do I do that? Well, the first thing, if you've never repented, you need to repent of your sins. You need to turn from your sins and turn toward God and start moving His direction. Say, God, what do you want for my life? What is it that you have for me? And if you'll repent of your sins and you'll turn from that lifestyle and you'll give God complete control and say, God, every day for the rest of my life, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you. I want you to be in control of my life. Then once you have repented, you can make the decision to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins right here. We'll baptize you today. Amen. We have robes. We have towels. We'll make sure that you are baptized in Jesus' name. And all of your sins will be washed away. And then God will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He may fill you before you get in the baptismal tank. If He doesn't, He may fill you once you come up out of the water. You never know what God's going to do. But if you are hungry and thirsty for righteousness and you want more of Him, you will be filled. Amen. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Today, it starts with you. 
starts with your decision. I know. I know there's people that are choosing to stay. Can I just be real honest with you? In this, in this crowd, that there are people who are going to decide to stay in Moab. It's easier there. You know people. I mean, I know people there. My family's there. That's where I've been brought up. That's, that's my culture. That's, that's, I know all that. But to move towards these holy rollers. <laughs> woo, don't know. That's really a stretch for me, Pastor. I love God and everything, but y'all are crazy. But there's something different about you. There's something different about people who know their God. There's something, the Bible says that they're going to know their God and they're going to do exploits. The people that know their God, they're, they're going to be famous because not famous in the world's eyes or in popularity of culture, but they're going to be famous because people are going to say, you need healing? Go to those people. You need deliverance? You need to see those people. You want to see how life is supposed to be lived and how you can have peace and joy? Those people, they can lose a, a loved one and be happy and, and, and every... I don't understand it. It's the craziest thing. They don't even take uh, drugs and they don't even have uh, alcohol to, to, to make everything okay. They, they simply make it by praying and depending on God and depending on each other. I, I don't know how they can do that. But there's something different about you. And I, I would say it starts with you. It starts with your decision. Moab is easy. You can stay in Moab. Naomi said, hey, I know it's easier for you. Please, please just stay in Moab. There are times when people come into this church and I see the struggle that they face because they start wanting to come God's direction and their family starts criticizing them, making fun of them, picking on them. I mean, it's like, it's, it's horrible. And I, I'm, I'm like, come on, there's so much better waiting for you. But sometimes I want to say, I understand your family's ruthless. I understand your friends are really, uh, they're, they're, they're pulling you back. And I, I get it. It's much easier to look the way you've always looked and talk the way you've always talked and go where you've always I get it. Moab's comfortable. But I wonder if there's anybody in here today that would be like Ruth and declare and promise. Do not urge me to leave you. Don't ask me to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. If you're in this place today and you say, God, I want that spirit of Ruth to come over me. I'm tired of staying in the land of Moab. I'm tired of hanging out in death and disappointment and failure. And, and I know my life is very unlikely to be anything that you could use, but God, I'm going to go your way. And if you want to use it, I'll surrender to you. You see, when Naomi was going back and Ruth went with her, there was no promise that everything was going to be okay. There was just a hope. There was no promise. God never thundered down and said, Naomi and Ruth, if you'll follow me, I'll take care of you. He, no promise. Just a hope. Today, you and I, we don't just have a hope. We have a promise. 
We have a promise that if we will go his direction, if we'll surrender ourselves, he promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. I won't leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will be your comforter. I will be your healer. I will be your deliverer. Come on, I will be your provider. Whatever you need, I will take care of you. Would you stand with me today?